the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root, from CardsWire.com, the USA Today NFL Wire site, covering, of course, the Arizona Cardinals with my co-host, uh, as is usually the case, especially on a Tuesday night when we're recording, Seth Cox from RevengeOfTheBirds.com, the SB Nation Arizona Cardinals site, and also one of the hosts of the original Draft Breakdown podcast. Good time, Seth. We are reaching, We honestly, we are officially one week away from final cuts and it it's it's about to happen yeah we're almost there and you know we had some clarification cuts already uh but outside of that it's been you know kind of held close to the vest um i think we're starting to get an idea of some position groups where others is still kind of a complete unknown. And I think, you know, when you're going into a season that doesn't look ultimately promising in terms of wins and losses, which, you know, most of us expected even coming into the season, you know, you and I were on the positive side thinking five, maybe six wins, you know, and that's that's being very positive. Um you 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 manufacture you allow things like like this right like oh the unknown how how is this team going to be built in year one of the the Monty and, and Gannon era and to me it's been kind of fun to watch how they've gone about it because you know you talked a little bit about it last week there are the key guys and then there's everybody else and it's not that they've made it like oh, these guys are more important or, you know, this or that. But, like, they're the guys that they're like, we have to have you for the regular season or what could be a long season is going to be a lost season. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, while we while we saw hopes and glimmers of, of positives in the first preseason game, there wasn't a lot of that against the Chiefs as they got – jackhammered into the ground, dismantled, call it what you want, but it was a 38-10 to 10 loss to the Kansas City Chiefs where they were not very competitive at all. And, and my, my, one of my favorite things was to see Blaine Gabbert for two drives just absolutely carve up the Cardinals' defense and, and to be able to turn to my turn to my fellow online credential people, Tyler Drake over at Arizona Sports and Donnie Drew over at Sports Illustrated, and telling them, this reminds me of the summer Blaine Gabbert in 2017 with the Cardinals. We were like, and they're like, Blaine Gabbert should be carving up players, could carve it up defensive like this. He's a former first-round pick. He's as talented as you get as in terms of quarterback skill. He's been in the league for a decade. He totally carved up that third-team defense. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was ugly, and and you know it was one of the things I wrote about, and I know we'll talk about it, but the reality becomes that the the talent at the top end, or or their ability to play well within the system, hasn't looked too bad. Um, I know we'll talk about that, but the depth, <laughs> the difference in the depth of a 
championship contending team and a team that could be competing for the first overall pick <laughs> is vast. And and to be fair, that's what makes the difference in the NFL. Obviously, having elite players like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey is huge, but having guys that can win games if those two are, you know, down in any way, shape, or form is is such a big deal and and you know that's the reality of the differences because you've got you've got the cardinals who are just trying to find guys to make it in the nfl versus the chiefs going is this guy good enough to you know be fitted for a super bowl ring at the end of this season like that's just kind of where the two teams are right now yeah let's so what we want to talk about in this show is basically the good, the bad. Uh, there was there is one position battle, probably like we were paying attention to. I don't know how many other people were paying attention to it. That's been decided, and the Cardinals have made a few roster moves. We'll we'll kind of discuss what they mean specifically because they aren't necessarily significant. So let's get started. So thirty-eight to ten loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. It was pretty bad. It was as bad as it sounded. They allowed 504 yards of offense. The Chiefs quarterbacks combined for 31 of 38 passing for 393 yards and three touchdowns. The defense did not get a takeaway. They did not sack the quarterback. And they they, they basically moved up and down the field as they wanted. But... We don't want to deal on the what went wrong, and we don't necessarily talk about like as a team. We're gonna what I want. What was good? That's what we want to focus right now. What was good collectively, and what was good individually. I can point to one thing that was good collectively, and it is it is honestly just a small sample size, but between the two weeks when the Cardinals starting defense was in the game, they've been effective. They they started all their starters, and so you had Buda Baker in there, you had Kaiser White in there. Um, you, had the whole, you had the whole lineup in, and in two drives, they held the Chiefs to 17 yards. Granted, there was an explosive play that got called back by a penalty. Nonetheless, it was a penalty. I mean, penalties happen. They do, and so the Cardinals left, like, they they had two drives where it was a starting defense against their starting offense, and they forced the Chiefs both times off the field after just a few yards. And once once Buda Baker and Kaiser White came out and Zeevan Collins came out, that's when Patrick Mahomes started just just being surgical. But I think like if this defense now I don't know what's going to look like over a course of a whole game, but because you, that you know you've got fatigue, but if that defense can small sample size four drives, but if in the regular season they can hang with basically any offense early in games, it'll make these games feel interesting at least. Yeah, and I think that's a great way to put it, right? Interesting um, because. You look at what they did, you know, and I'm I'm pulling it up right now just so we have, you know, hard facts on our side, so to speak. And and Buddha, Kaiser, 
they played 10 snaps. Lecky, um, Gardeck, Lecky played 11. Gardeck played 13. Collier played 15. Wilson and Collins played 17. Jalen Thompson played the most from us, like a true starter um, at 20 outside of Isaiah Simmons and then uh, Josh Woods and Keetrell Clark, who are kind of in positional battles, right? Like um, Simmons, they asked him to do a lot last game. We'll get to his performance. Uh, But, you know, outside of that, you know, when you look at Jalen Thompson, 20 snaps, and then everybody else less than 20. And like you said, like they were competitive. And that's something we talked about last week, right? Be competitive. Compete with good teams. Um, they did that against the Broncos. They did that against the Chiefs. I don't think you can expect a lot more because, like I said, the drop-off, and obviously the Broncos aren't a very good team right now either, um, but the drop-off from, you know, Buddha, Kaiser, Zavin, you know, those guys to the next group is just so steep right now which is slightly disappointing, right? I mean, that's kind of slightly disappointing. But at the end of the day, you know, there were some key guys that were missing. And and when you look at it, you know, you you didn't have um you didn't have either of Cam Thomas or BJ Audulary in there still. Um and my J either. Yeah, and my J. So you had so you're basically down your number two um starting edge guy or became your, it became Luketta, was, Jesse Luketta and Victor Dimikaji became the next right. two guys and, in the and, game. And Luketta was okay and Dimikaji took a huge step back this week. Um you know what it's ironic, maybe ironic's not the right word. It's interesting that Richard Lawrence is now not a good player all of a sudden <laughs> after after looking like a guy that was like, oh, if he could just stay healthy under Vance, and now he's, you know, he's in that, I don't want to say doghouse, that p- makes it sound too strong, but, you know, he's a guy at the back end of the roster now, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and so, like, those guys getting so many reps and not competing, and that's just what it was. I mean, it it just changes how things go, and and you know we know that there's going to be question marks that have to be answered about the the coverage you know situation outside of Marco Wilson, um, who you know played well, but after him, you know, is it going to be Keytrell Clark? And they gave Keytrell a ton of a ton of work this week against the best passing offense in the NFL. I mean, it's hands down, no question. And, you know, those are, I think that's what you do in these situations. That's how you look at preseason. And like you said, for those 17 snaps, and we'll just call it 17, they looked competitive. They weren't I mean, you're never, nobody's shutting down the Chiefs offense, right? Like nobody, but they were competitive. And that's the that to me is what I'm looking at, um, and then I, I you know obviously from there there was much disappointment in the way of the guys that have opportunities to make you know make a name for themselves that didn't take that this week. Yeah, 
Yeah, but let's let's talk about the the good individuals. You mentioned Marco looking good in coverage early in the game, even making a nice. Uh, they even had an really nice pass breakup in in there. Um, I, I, one of the for me, and I think he probably cemented his spot in the starting lineup. Wouldn't you say that Josh Woods just kind of crushed it? Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Isn't it really crazy that Kaiser White, Chris Barnes, and Josh Woods all played well, and, <laughs> and none of these guys are like high draft picks? Uh, you know, it does make it interesting to ask. I mean, because even Soleil played pretty well, you know, but it does make the question, and, and we've talked about this with White, and uh, who was the other guy there? Uh, I can't remember. Off the top, Mike Edwards, I think it was. Or, In Philly? Um, TJ. In Philly, yeah. TJ Edwards, thank you. Uh, the, how good they were, right? And neither of them were high draft picks. And you're like, oh, you know what Jonathan Gannon and Nick Rallis are really good at? Getting linebackers into position to make plays. And you're seeing that with with what we've seen from Woods. I mean, Kaiser only played 10 snaps, but he, he looked. Oh, my goodness. Like. It, he was not like the dog. Like, he wasn't the guy in Philly. He's carrying himself like like the Jordan Hicks of this defense, right? Right. Physical, uh, imposing. <laughs> but but honestly, like, Josh Woods made a bunch of plays. He He's hitting guys. Um, and because of the type of player he's been in his career, um, like, like think Antonio Hamilton last year in camp been basically a special teams back of the roster guy josh woods has been a special teams guy just special teams ace for his career and i i wondered if it was just like because he was he was on a podcast with with phnx their cardinals podcast months ago and he talked about how he, he was hoping to be able to bust the door down and become a defensive player i mean that's a normal thing to say but He's giving me Lorenzo Alexander vibes the way he's taking advantage of this. He's looked legitimately good. Now, Alexander played a different position, was more of a pass rusher, and really developed into an impact player as his career advanced. But it felt like, you know, and we thought, I thought that Chris Barnes would probably be the guy to win it, win that starting job. And Chris Barnes didn't play badly. But Woods was noticeably impactful with well with the starters and then popped even more when you had the the second teamers on the on the on the field his hustle um you know when when uh, Rasheed White uh got past guys and was making a big play he White Rice was really 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 uh fortunate because Woods came from behind punched the football out like Got the got his hand on the football and it came loose and it just fell right back into his hands. But that was one of those don't give up plays that was awesome to see. And and yeah. I think when you get if if he gets significant playing time this year, you're going to see a lot of that. Well, and that's just it. You know, again, I when he they signed him, you and I talked quite a bit about how he, obviously it's a little bit he's a little bit behind the tj edwards uh track but it, it would be kind of similar right like edwards was played 11 percent of snaps his rookie year on defense but was like in the 70s in special teams and then he played a lot more in 2020 but you know it really took until gannon and company got there and then he he became 
the guy and, and really took off and you know he's not an all pro or pro bowl guy or anything like that but he was i mean he got paid what by uh chicago like he got like 14 million a year or something didn't he something I, crazy I, like that i actually thought it was a little bit i thought it was less than expected i think it was around seven million but well, it that, even even still even still yeah and so you just look at it and you know that's what that's just what this defense can do and i think woods is the guy that's kind of pouncing on that we also saw that you know again buda bakers i think gonna thrive in this defense he played you know again 10 snaps nine in coverage but he played really well it was a really friendly contract it's good for him but three years almost 20 million yeah yeah and then kaiser you know like you said like he's just and it's tough against this team i mean you look at it like it's crazy to look at the numbers like buddha and 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 kaiser played 10 snaps they played nine in coverage because it's kansas city right (laughs) i mean jalen thompson jalen thompson played 20 snaps so he played double he played 17 in coverage he only had three against the run so like they were they were basically like when those guys are in that's those are the guys that can make plays downhill like we're going to try to get plays over them because i mean even woods only saw in 32 snaps only saw six rushing attempts like that's just it's it it's a hard team to gear up for and when your pass rush is probably probably your weakest point it's going to look even worse right no for sure yes and then Um, i think offensively there were a couple guys that i think we can shout out i thought i thought both hernandez and and uh froholt looked good kind of the complete opposite of what kansas city does you know kind of balanced they only played 15 snaps kind of balanced right but they're they're just showing that they're really really good in run blocking yeah like they're going to be able to run block josh jones continues to play well something to watch right because you know and he played 53 snaps he played a ton of snaps um it's gonna be something to watch like is that is that a move you make especially with monty austin fort um stacking draft picks is that a move you'd be willing to make with how well he's playing like can you take that chance especially with dj humphrey's entry history right uh, but you know the I again limited 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 action. But I, I you know I didn't I thought the starting offensive line was fine, um, and, and I thought you know as a whole that was okay. And that's kind of what you're again looking for against. Yes, they're missing Chris Jones, but that's on Chris Jones. It's not like they held him out for any reason, right? They were if their starters were there, they were going to play. Um, you know so. I mean, that could be a situation where the first eight games, the the Chiefs are missing Chris Jones. So, you know, it's it's just one of those things to watch. Um, but, you know, Hernandez, Hernandez is a guy we both want to see play well and maybe get extended, you know, to uh, more of a long-term deal. But, man, Froholt, and it's been two preseason games in, like, what, 25 snaps? But they've been encouraging. I think that's right. the best way to that's- put it. Well, yeah, and that's because we, we're really, like, 
they were talking the way they're talking. They want to build this offensive line, protect Kyler Murray, and then they're bringing Yelda Yelda Froholton and in, in to be the center. You're like, really? Four NFL, st- and he's he's been good. He's been pretty solid. He hasn't been a problem, and I think there's something to be said as well as what kind of where he is in within the locker room um, and with the coaching staff since he was the guy that was sent out to do the coin toss as the single captain for the Cardinals on on Saturday. I don't know what that meant. You have to figure that there is something there to that. And like we said last week, this like one of their first moves in free agency might have been kind of like the steal of the offseason. Oh, uh, funny wouldn't, note. Wasn't that Pat Elfline, the guy who's been like who's like a legitimate NFL center, but injuries have been the problem. What happened? He's he's hurt. He's hurt again already. Yeah, and I mean, we talked about Elfline and like could you trust him for that long? The obvious answer is no, and that's unfortunate. It's just, I mean, it's tough. Like, you, we're not trying to crap on a guy. We're not trying to take, you know, shots at a guy. But the reality is, is, is you know. It stinks. It stinks for these it, guys who are talented players that can't stay healthy. It's Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. And then, you know, I think we should mention, to James Conner, only, only a couple plays, but looked looked noticeably quicker. Well, um, well, I think I think the the biggest thing is that the running game looks so much better against against Kansas City than than Denver because they had James Conner. It wasn't just James Conner. Keontae Ingram looked really good too. That's yeah, yeah. And and you know, there again, we're not there, and even the stuff we are there for, we're not allowed to talk about. And then even then, they kind of tend to sometimes wait until we're not there to you know show some stuff and i'm gonna tell you like everybody i've talked to is very excited about keontae ingram so i don't know if they're bubble wrapping him i don't know if this has been planned i don't you know obviously this is a first year regime and all of that but they seem genuinely excited about Ingram, and it was easy to see why on on Saturday. Oh my gosh! Yeah, well, and it's very interesting. Is like if there's one thing I've been able to take away from what they've done offensively, is that at least w- w- when Colt McCoy is going to be playing, the, we are going to see a lot of the tight end and the running back, even in the passing game. Yeah, short stuff. Get it out quick get rid of the ball, let let playmakers make plays. And that, I mean, that makes sense, right? Yeah, and so like, having, a, if like assuming that they both can be healthy, that a duo of James Conner, Count Ingram might not. I mean, that that's not bad. And and you know what? If the Cardinals can be a consistent moving the ball, you know what? Both of those guys are big. They are going to wear down opponents. Conner's a big physical runner. Keontae, he's not as physical a runner, like run over you, run through you, but he's a big dude as well. Yeah, and he's a he's a fun guy to watch run, um, like a real fun guy. And, and that's, you know, for me, this is going to be kind of a boring offense until Kyler gets back. They're going to put a lot on their defense for better or worse. Um, 
but it's good to see that they look like they can they can run the ball a little bit and they can play a little defense. And and I know the the end score um did not show that, but I thought the starters showed that, you know, that that's a game and I know people are gonna be like, Well, that's not good. That's a game that the Cardinals probably lose like twenty four to fourteen. Or twenty-four to ten, right? And if Kyler's in there, maybe it's you know twenty-four seventeen or something like that. But and and you might be saying, well, that's not good. But I mean, that's literally the best team in the NFL. And like, if that's if that's what you're able to do and where you're at, you know, obviously health and things like that all matter. But like, that's an encouraging thing for a team that's in, you know, what is kind of a total rebuild. Coming up next on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, the star of Cardinals talking about Let's talk about the not so good. That's coming up next on the Rise of Sea Red. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, the star of Cardinals talk on the web. I think. Well, I, and, and aside from, and we'll, we'll kind of talk about that. Nolan Cooney, Nolan Cooney, the punter. Wow, but let, we'll we'll save that for the next part of that because that spoiler alert: the Cardinals have a new punter. But there were a lot of things that were a little bit disappointing in that game. I mean. Aside from like the team performance, players that that showed promise, they just didn't do much. And, and I, I'm not saying that that's they're going to be bad or they took a step back, but uh, you know all the 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 praise that we've seen from Michael Wilson about Michael Wilson didn't do anything, and, and actually had a negative because he had the holding penalty. You saw a little bit in the run, in run blocking, but he picked up a penalty. He didn't get a target, I don't think. But he he wasn't impactful. There there was a lot of guys who had looked solid against Denver who just felt non. They felt like they were non. They basically non contributors. They, they they were just there. Nothing happened with them. Yeah, and it's one of those situations when you look at it that this is a uh, you know the Wilson situation in his fourteen snaps. Yeah, he he didn't look good, but. You also have to be realistic in the sense that this is an offense that you need to be able to block well. He typically does that. And then when you get past plays, you know, you only may get two a game. So, like, it's not going to be a volume offense, right, where – like we see with KC or, or Cincy where, or, or even Buffalo where they might get, you know, 12 targets a game, like, especially early, it might be where you run, you know, if they, if they run 60 plays, you might run thir- only 35 routes. And if, you know, you may only get three targets on those 35 routes, you know, like it's just one of those situations. And so, yeah, he, I mean, you're absolutely right. He did not look like we had hoped. But I also think that at the time, like, you know, some of the time we over, we overestimate or, you know, yeah, we expect like, it. I tried pumping it, the brakes. I tried pumping the brakes along on all off season on Michael Wilson. But, but I am also not just talking you and I, but like, you know, because especially now it's one of the things I've really found, you know, now that, everybody's kind of at camp right and everybody's talking about um camp 
the um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like it, the hype is kind of out of control, you know, and, and I'm not saying us or, or anybody specific, but like we just see all the time. It's like we see these one-on-one highlights of Michael Wilson winning a rep and it's like, Oh, he's, he's going to be a dog. Oh, he's going to do this or that or the other. And it's like, all right. I mean, he might, and he looks really good, but like also, well, and, and I think there's something to be said about the fact that it looks like he is one of the he like he's wide receiver two basically right now is what it looked like because it was Hollywood and, and Wilson, and then they added Rondell in the slot. Pascal Pascal also came in some, but uh, but basically Wilson is one of their top two guys, which is I I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know if I'm a little. Oh, that's not great. Yeah, or, yeah, that, or that, great. <laughs> right, that's a fair question, right? Like, uh, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? And uh, you know, those are things we'll see uh, and see how how they go. But you know, right now, I think overall, uh, you've seen that this is a uh this is a work in progress more than anything right like it's definitely a work in progress and and to your point like trey mcbride didn't look great um you know offensively you know we're just going over the offensive guys right now you know trey mcbride didn't look great the backup interior guys didn't look great um you know you you look at you look at the quarterbacks I mean, didn't exactly look great, right? Like you've got the real highs and lows of the rookie in Clayton Toon, but then you've got the really um, boring, I guess is the best way to put it, performance of Colt McCoy thus far, right? Like it's it hasn't been bad by any means, but it's kind of just been there. Like Right, and nothing- I'm not saying that that he's in any danger of losing the starting job while Kyler's out to Clayton Tune because I think that I think that's a bad idea because um, I think the variance in Tune's play would be too risky, too great, yeah, too yeah. great right now. And, and while Colt, we're gonna sec, but yeah, it's. <laughs> And maybe it's simply because he hasn't had time to get into rhythm. There there has been nothing. There really hasn't been a whole lot offensively like, yeah. But you'll be like, they're going to survive. I guess this is basically, it feels like that is treading water at best. Even It's even more so, because remember how they, they were trying to, you know, handle DeAndre Hopkins being out? This is even more so where they're just like, we just, we just, Colt, just keep us together. Don't mess up. Don't mess up. Like literally game managing yeah, on a bad team. You know, I think that's what their goal is and we'll see how it works out for them. But, you know, it, it's going to be interesting because it's been, you know, like I said, it's just been very, very boring thus far. And so we'll see, you know, what the, what the expectation and what the growth of that looks like over the next couple of weeks, you know, but the offense I don't think you and I have very high expectations for the offense until Kyler gets back. Like Correct. that's not being that's not being rude. That's just looking at we know what we have in Colt McCoy. We've seen it for the last several years. 
and a fifth round rookie, like for every Brock Purdy, there's 27. Um, and I'm going to keep saying about Brock Purdy, if he were dropped into any other team, any other system, nope, nope, nope. Right. He was like what made Brock Purdy so successful is the fact that he was, he was, he had just enough physical talent and was not making mistakes. Like, I, the, yeah. And so we we can't expect that from from an offense where the receivers aren't consistently three yards separated from their defenders, like it seems like San Francisco's is. But can we talk about Isaiah Simmons? Because yeah. And pe- people are very down on Isaiah right now, and and I don't know what to think. I, I will say this: the one, the touchdown play when when you know Shane Bouchel, um ran for the touchdown, like Isaiah literally could have killed him. But yeah, chose and not he'd to already got. So I don't. Yeah, and he'd already gotten flagged. But I'm like, do we want to kill him for that? Because it's a preseason game. Like he, Simmons. Like if he goes, if he flies in there, I think Shane Bichelle's head comes off. Yeah, and it's tough. I mean, I get it. There's a lot of questions, and and people, you know, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of trust and ability to earn back. Let's start there. Can we both agree with that? Like, neither nobody right now is is really going to defend Isaiah Simmons. So any mistakes he makes or or questionable things are going to get magnified and a lot of people didn't like his hit um on was it against rice i don't remember who it was but you know the hit on the wide receiver there thought it was dumb that well that's hard that it, it just so felt like hard it, for a defender and it's it uh, did, you know what it's really hard it's really hard for simmons because of his size and Vance Joseph talked about that. It's like one of the things that he's going to run into, like if he's going to be a hitter, because he's six foot four, two hundred and forty pounds, you can't hit a like. It's just very hard for him to hit a guy in the right spot, especially smaller players. Boot is able to do it because he's already smaller, so well, he and, can and easily guy... aim for the thigh pad. That's it. He goes for the thigh right. pad. Simmons can't get that low. So if a guy is going down and he's going to make contact, like his shoulder pads are going to go against, are going to hit pretty much everybody's helmet. So that's, that's really unfortunate for him. But yeah, it's, it's a, it's a thing he has to adjust to. Well, and as a coach, and this is, I mean, obviously I don't ever compare anything that I do with the NFL, but I don't know if if this is true. You know, I obviously never coached Isaiah Simmons, but Simmons seems like the type of guy that plays really well when things are going well. And once he makes a mistake, he tends to compound those mistakes by by maybe, you know, getting down on himself, maybe, you know, di- like I don't want to say he feels sorry for him, but like maybe playing a little more scared than he should. And, and all of that is something that I think, and we, we heard and we listened to Jonathan Gannon after the game, talk about Isaiah Simmons. And, you know, we always talked about how Cliff never threw a guy out of the bus, right? Like he was always, it was always Cliff's fault. He didn't throw his coaches under the bus. He didn't throw anybody. Like it was always Cliff's fault. Gannon does a really 
good job of saying like, Hey, you know, he, he did this well, or he was, he was doing this well, or, or, you know, this, and like praising him, knowing that there were several mistakes that can be cleaned up in that situation. And that's what I've been impressed with again. And it's not just his teaching, but how he deals with the negativity or, or the, uh, the negative plays. And that's what we saw uh, with, with Simmons. I, I would say is that, you know, he, I think he hand, handled it well. He did not do a great job um, in that game. He did not play as well as he did the first game, but I think overall that he's accepting the coaching. And it seems like Gannon has an idea of how to coach Simmons now. And, whether, and, and what Gannon said, it wasn't, and he said a couple of times in coverage, he may have lost leverage, but we'll go back and cut to flip it up. And and there's one thing that we've seen about Simmons like over the last couple of years is that he can, like that's one thing that happens against the Chiefs specifically last year, he got in trouble because he was playing bad technique and lost leverage several times to Kelsey last year. And and I think that's just a common thing is like he sometimes just gets a little outside of himself for what he's supposed to do. Maybe I don't I, he's such a smart guy from what we saw at Clemson and then he's always been praised for how smart he is. But maybe it's the he gets caught into the I can do this so I can take a chance and and then make some mistake because of it. And, and it seems like that's where he is. Either he's just a, a step slow or a step behind the decision so where he loses leverage on, on a route and he ends up getting – and it makes him look terrible. And that thing's like his mistakes make him look bad. That, that is, that's the problem exactly. with him. That's, that's a fantastic way to put it. Um, you know, and then – but he wasn't the only bad one. So let's, you know, let's not – Act like he was Christian Matthew, Keytrail Clark, Ooh, both Matthew struggled. Not, well, it's one thing to get beat. Like he he was like Gannon wants his corners to tackle. He did not do a good job at that. Right, and so you know you, you look at you look at both Clark and and Matthew not great this weekend. Um, that's that was disappointing. I thought that, uh, you know, again, Rashard Lawrence, man, I've been, I, I just don't know what's going on with him. Like he was always consistent. Yeah. That's what you and I would always say. And now all of a sudden it's just, it just looks bad. It just doesn't look good. So it's very, you know, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, you think, Rather than cutting him, maybe we could, you know, send him to Denver and dance Joseph for a seventh rounder. Right. Just get something for him. Because, <laughs> honestly, like, I think the it, it, last two weeks I've, I've had him out of outside of the 53 because you look at the you look at the guys who are going to make the team. Collier, Lecky Fotu, like, and, and I, I mentioned this on the solo show last week. I'm like, look at him. He's quietly, and I, I think we talked about it too, like, quietly – become a starting nose tackle, which is what he was in college, 
Like it's I I I wanted to talk to him after the game last week, and and I should have. Um, you know, no one was over the sake. I wanted to ask him if you know has he been like is the focus been narrowed as opposed to what they was doing before because he if you look at Philly like if you look at Philly those interior guys are giant athletes lecky is that and he has like i think the hope was that he could develop into something more but if you just have him do what he's good at which i think that's that's been again his thing He's like, you know, especially guys that have been in the league a little bit, don't try to ask them to do more. Ask them to do what they can do well and have them do it well and make them and have them prove later that they can do add to that role. And that, that's a good way to go. But, yeah, because right now the, the guys that feel like locks for the roster on the defensive line are Collier, Foto, Jonathan Ledbetter. Nice story, kind of honestly. I kind of like that. Carlos Watkins, um, Kevin Strong. And then... If they keep a sixth defensive lineman, which I think they will, then it's a bet. Well, is it Rashard? Is it um, Dante Stills, their draft pick? Is it Eric Banks? Is it Ben Stilley, who's made some plays? I mean, that last I mean, spot he, is really up for grabs. Even Jacob Slade looked good. I mean, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because I feel like, yeah, it, we went in kind of, I don't want to say assuming, but assuming that Lawrence was – you know, well, like of the of the returners, like Fotu, Lawrence, and Ledbetter, we always felt that Lawrence was the better player. Yeah, and so it's just it's interesting, and like I said, it might just be one of those situations that he is just not a fit in what Gannon wants to do, and and quite frankly, you know, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Any anyone else of note that kind of stuck out as as disappointing or 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 not doing well? I, I mean, it, it was for me. It was it was I'm, mostly a, a, just a bad overall performance. I didn't. Yeah, that 1, it just was that, and it was once they they got behind, then they couldn't catch up. Um, it was well, really. Not... It was honestly. It was really disappointing because they had a chance to get that touchdown. They they scored the touchdown, but had it called back. Um, off Caden Caden Davis's uh, crackback block, which I didn't see it, and from what people told me that it was a crappy call. Once they didn't get the touchdown, basically it was lights out because you know if they score that touchdown, you you feel a little bit of juice and maybe can make it interesting. But it, the second half of that ball game was like a lot of preseason games, which is unwatchable. <laughs> that's a great way to put it because it it was there there was a lot of uh going back to the ufc fights for certain people <laughs> on this podcast all right coming up next on the rise of Zero podcast best of cardinal stock on the web hey we've we've got a position battle locked up and it's a bit of a surprise that's coming up next on the rise of Red. we're back on the rise of Red podcast the best of cardinal stock on the web we have a winner of a position battle and i'll say this I am shocked. The Cardinals released Matt Hawk, a guy that's for the last six years never not been an NFL punter. It's not like he hasn't been to sit out at all. He was signed by a team. He's been their punter all year. And felt when like when he was signed in May, that was that was it. That we we knew, oh, Andy Lee's done. We're not bringing back Andy Lee. But guess what? It was a 
we and it, it we we didn't know if it was really a position battle, but we knew at least they weren't just giving it lip service. That there was a battle between him and Nolan Cooney. And guess what? Nolan Cooney, the punter that you know has been you know, kind of just right there. Like, he was on the off-season roster last year, basically. And the Cardinals always do this. They bring in, especially when you have old specialists, you'll bring in a younger specialist to lessen the load. But Cooney went out and won that job. And in two preseason games, I will say this, that his punting has was fantastic. And he adds... The fact that he held, like, he, he's now that's two off seasons of holding field goals, so there's got to be a comfort level for Prater. And I don't know if he will replace Prater on kickoffs, but he gives the Cardinals another option for kickoffs, especially if there's any concern about his hip, which, with Prater's hip, which kept him, which was an issue. He, he missed four games with the hip injury. And led to their kicking problems, and you know, and, and if he if he didn't have to do kickoffs, he probably would have been okay for a couple of those games. Yeah, and so that's just you know, again, new regime. We don't know how they do things, but this was a bit of a shock. But Cooney's punted his butt off. Um, all all well in his in his preseason performance and it was you know and and during camp he's done well and so to see him get the win from the performance isn't surprising but just based on how coaches especially defensive coaches typically like to do things it was a bit surprising but you know again i think it's good to see this kind of change um you know, instead of going with the expensive kind of veteran because it's the safer play, go with the guy uh, that that earned it. And, and and I think it'll talk to the guys more, right? Like, they'll be able to say, like, they'll be able to say, like, oh, this is a guy that, um, this is a guy that, you, you know, or these are coaches that will 100% give it to the guy that works the hardest that that puts the performance out on the field and it's not just about what you know what your name is or what you've done in the nfl already yeah and you know jeff rogers this is this is one of those cool things where you know that rogers has a lot of pool in, in the type of special teams guys that he gets cooney was a guy that rogers probably scouted decided he wanted him on the team as a as a possibility for Andy Lee or at least a guy to develop and to have him then develop that's that's kind of cool that that honestly is one of the cooler things to see especially considering Cody's background the fact that you know he picked up punting when he was cover, covering for cancer and all that and but like his numbers are eye popping not like he had that 65 yard punt on the fly in five punts in the preseason he's averaged over 50 yards um, over 47 in net, and three of his five punts have been inside the 20. Those, like, you can't do much better than that. And and honestly, Hawk wasn't bad. He wasn't. He's a pretty good NFL punter. He's not a great NFL punter. He's a pretty good NFL punter, and he's probably going to land somewhere real quick. But Cooney, Cooney flat out won that job. 
Well, it'll be one of those situations that ends up being, um, he ends up being at, you know, getting signed after either after the preseason's over and, or he gets signed when the first veteran gets injured or the first time a guy uh, ends up not punting well in a game and they're like bringing a veteran i'm not dealing with this you know kind of like the <laughs> cardinals cardinals did with the that long snapper that one year in the bruce arians era right who actually uh, turned out to be a pretty good long snapper years yeah later. Cam- cameron, cameron Canada. yeah he yeah ended up, he's but, a steelers guy right now yeah yeah but that's remember that's exactly what happens it's like go get me a veteran like they have <laughs> they have one bad game and they're like nope go nope, get me one can't do so. this but yeah, so well, it'll be interesting to see throughout. Like, and if because of the consistency there, hopefully, what we see now is Prater that, that we don't have issues with Prater kicking because the holding is consistent. Um, you can use Cooney on kickoffs, and apparently, you can because I, I felt kind of the one thing that we started to see from Andy Lee last year. He's had a big leg his whole entire career. He started every once in a while. Like it, maybe once a game, just you're like, ooh, that was bad. It was he was a little less consistent, and he still hasn't picked up anywhere. But granted, I, he maybe he he was ready to retire. But having Cooney, that's that's cool. That's cool on a lot of levels. I, I will say this on, from the local level, it's dis, it's going to be disappointing for the McNamara family uh, here in Gilbert because they were hoping that Andy Lee would punt one more year so that Austin could get drafted by the Cardinals out of Texas Tech this next year. And so they could he could play for his home team. So, But that's that's a, that's a completely separate thing. It has nothing to do with this other than I know the McNamara's and I know Austin and I know his dad really, really was... Like his dream was that Austin could punt for the Cardinals. And it doesn't look like that'll probably happen. If, if Cooney's any good, they will bring him back for years to come. Right. Coming up next on the Rise Up Series podcast, best our Cardinals talk on the web. Let's talk about final roster moves that have been made. What do they mean before the preseason finale? That's coming up next on Rise Up Series. We're back on the Rise Up Series podcast, best our Cardinals talk on the web. The Cardinals have made a few roster moves, but I don't want you getting too crazy about them because, to me, the moves that were made are simply to get them through their preseason finale. Um, what have we seen so far? They well they they released Matt Hawk okay we know that um, they released waived injured Lachavius Simmons that's he wasn't going to make the roster anyway uh, they re-signed running back Stevie Scott and then they added on and then that was announced on Tuesday Zach McLeod pass rusher from the Titans um, would you say either Stevie Scott or Zach McLeod have any future with the team beyond this week? No, and you know we talked unless and and we talked about it earlier, but you know Cam Thomas, uh, B.J. Algeleri, MyJ Sanders, all not playing in the game. Um, obviously, if they all can't go, I mean, if they all can't go the first week, then one of them's got to go on IR, right, or pop or something, like because they have to create a roster spot at that point. Yeah, yeah. So the the, the way I thought looked at it, preseason finale, you're not going to play Gardeck or Collins. Um, Cam Thomas was hurt, so I, we don't know if he's going to be available. 
My J was hurt. Don't know if he's going to be available. And then Ojolari, you don't know if he's available yet. So if you take out Collins and, and, and Gardek, you are left with only Jesse Laketa, Victor DeMikhaji, David Anini to play outside. In fact, you know, last, last week at the end of the game, they, I don't know if he's practiced there, but they were using one of their interior guys, Eric Banks to play edge towards the end of the game. Right. So they, you know, that's what this guy's being brought in for. So I don't know if, I don't know if McLeod will play, but I think at least at minimum, because like when Stevie Scott, uh, like when Stevie Scott was signed before the Denver game, didn't play in the Denver game and then was released. I think he is there and it's an emergency policy because if you you could go into that game with four you could go into that game with four guys and maybe Ojolari plays this week I I would think maybe I think he's moving uh, in that direction I, I think you and I are both in the we hope <laughs> I and my J I'm I wonder if he's going to make the team personally with this this with this defense I don't know but Hopefully Ojolari's back. And that I mean, getting Ojolari, Laketa, um, Dimikaji, Dimikaji, and and then Anini, who's been with the yeah. team for for a few weeks. So yeah, and, and, and then, then you Mc... don't need McLeod, but I think that's the case now. Stevie Scott coming back, I think that's also. Oh, James Conner's not going to play. Um, right, and my and I would guess Keontae's not going to play either. That's my guess as well, and so. So you get if you get an injury. Well, and Tyson Williams was was a hurt, so he didn't play yeah. on Saturday. So if if you if you keep Connor out, that and then if you decide to keep Ingram out, you've got Corey Clement, you've got Amari Demarcado, and and so it's either either they're not going to have play Keontae or Ty Williams is out another week, right. and so they you just want to have a fourth running back available, just in case just in case to get him through the game um, in that preseason. So I'm not saying that Stevie Scott's going to play. I'm not saying that, that McLeod's going to play, but I think that those are simply insurance additions. They are not, they, they are the definition of a, at a, of a camp body emergency plan right now. I think just to make sure that they can get through the game. So that's my analysis of the roster moves. There might be more coming, but yeah. And, at this rate, there's not though, and that's kind of where we're going for this. With, you know, it's been it's been a already kind of what we expected, right? An up and down preseason. Um, we're expecting the same thing, and and during the season, but hopefully we see you know more health and, and competence moving forward as as this continues and and, and as they get closer to. Uh, as, or as they go through the season this year. All right. Anything else of note that we want to talk about? No, I think it's exciting to see this. Uh, it's been it's been good so far, and and you know we'll see how it ends up. But you know thus far it's been, you know, I think for the starters a positive, and and the issues are what we expected. They they they're not very. Deep. <laughs> I will do a solo show later this week, and, and maybe what I can get from Seth. The, the one thing we have not done because our next show is going to come after roster cuts. We'll, we will re, we will we'll react to the roster cuts, but but maybe what I can have Seth do is is to give me kind of the guys he thinks instead of necessarily a whole fifty three man roster prediction. I'll give you mine, 
and I'll give you what um, I'm expecting to see in, in the Vikings game. But I'll do a solo show Thursday or Friday, and then we'll be back next week to react to roster cuts. Um, but yeah, so that's Seth Cox. I'm Jess Root. This is Rise of the Sea Red Podcast. This is episode 453. Thank you for listening, as always. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red.